summary of Samuel, where I'm going. So first, in the book of 1 Samuel, the people is really a reflection of the rise and fall of King Saul. So who was King Saul? Well, first of all, there was corruption had, which had creeped into the priesthood. Men was doing whatever they felt was right in their own eyes. So the people of Israel wanted to be like all the other nations. So they wanted a king. So they asked God for a king. And even though God explained to them all the negative consequences of choosing a king other than himself, they chose the king. And God allowed them to have king. So this king was actually King Saul. So what I'm going to do today is first I'm going to lay a foundation from the word of God. And then I'm going to build upon that. Is that okay? And if I had to call name title this sermon, I would call it Hearing the Voice of God Through His Word. Mm -hmm. Again, Hearing the Voice of God Through His Word. And throughout the history of the Bible, beginning with Adam and Eve, and continuing to the present, there has been this constant theme between God and God's people. God speaks a command. Man reacts to this command. They have a choice of obedience or disobedience. And then there is consequences for man's actions, good or bad. It is a test. Tests brought by God are intended to reveal what's in a person's heart. And saints, God knows our heart already, of course. But when the Lord wants to expose the inner motives, the thinking of a man, he will construct a test or a trial. And this test offers the Lord's servant an opportunity to obey and receive God's praise. And then there's this equal opportunity for the person to disobey and fall into ruins. And we know like throughout the Bible, we have examples of script and scriptures of men who passed these tests. For example, the Lord allowed Job to be tested severely by the enemy to reveal Job's heart for the Lord. And you know what, despite the severity of God's trial, Job steadfastly maintained his devotion to the Lord. And then we think about Abraham, right? He passed the test. When he was willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac for the Lord. And then you think about Joseph and Hezekiah and David. They all exhibit faithfulness of one kind or another during their test. But just like there's scripture of men that passed the test, we have scriptures of men who did not pass. Think about Peter. He failed his test when he denied Christ three times. 
And then virtually the whole generation of the Israelites who left Egypt failed 10 tests in grumbling against Moses and the Lord. Okay? So in all these cases, the Lord knew the heart of each person before he even brought the test. But by observing these test saints, we learn an important spiritual principle. The motives of our hearts are best revealed to ourselves and to others by how we respond to the command of God. Amen. Amen. We must position ourselves to hear from the Lord. We must hear the voice of God through his word and his command. And it brings back to my remembrance when I was studying when Samuel was a child and he was serving in the temple under Eli the priest. And the scripture let us know that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in these days the word of the Lord was rare. There was no frequent visits. And at that time Eli whose eyesight had began to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of the God was. This let us know, first of all, that Eli was in his own place. And it brings back when they had chosen Saul as king and they went looking for him and he was hiding under stuff. But Samuel, even though he was a child, even though he did not choose to be in the temple, he was dedicated by his mom. The holy God, the sovereign God, allowed Samuel to position himself close to the things of God. He was positioning himself to hear from the Lord. His heart his mind, and his will was seeking to serve God. Amen? Amen? So why does God speak to us? First of all, God speaks to us to reveal his purpose. God has a purpose for every child of his. God speaks to us to reveal his work. But let's go back to the purpose. When he speaks, remember Abraham? God had a purpose, right? He wanted to build a nation. And for this reason, God revealed to Abraham his purpose. He said to make him a great nation, to bless him, and to make his name great. God speaks to involve us in his work, saints. When he speaks to us, first he declares the purpose, and then he would tell us how to do the work. Remember Noah, first he said to Noah, the per he, he uh, revealed to Noah the purpose of building the ark, because he said, I'm going to save you from the flood that was coming. And then he told Noah how to build the ark. God speaks to us to bring us into a loving relationship with him. Everything we do with God should be to enter into a closer relationship with him and to help others hear his voice.
boys so they can come into a relationship with him as well. So how do we hear the voice of God? We hear it through his word, right? Throughout the Bible, God sent prophets into day to speak. They were his mouthpiece. God speaks through scripture, correct? He said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed by God and is profitable to us for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that a man will be complete. God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. John 14 and 26 said, Jesus said to his disciples, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Our nature, man, cannot remember the word that everything the word says in the Bible. Therefore, the Holy Spirit, the, our helper, supernaturally bring things back to our remembrance. The word of God for our benefit and for the benefits of others. And God speaks to us through prayer. You know, God doesn't have to speak loudly. Listen to the worship, how soft. In prayer, when you're in prayer, you have to listen for that still, small voice inside of your heart. And it's the most loving voice you ever heard. It's like a whisper. And it can penetrate even the very soul. And it caused the heart to burn. So I set this up because now the Lord is ready to put Saul's wavering heart to a test. And even before the test comes, we have seen Saul's deteriorating walk with the Lord in previous chapters. In the previous chapter, it begins to show that Saul has flaws and he has shortcomings. He's increasingly prideful, he's arrogant, he even made a command on the people. They were going into war. And he said, curse be the man who eats food until it is evening. And I have avenged my enemy. So no people can taste tests. So what he was saying is no one can eat. These men was fighting a war against the enemy. And they were faint. And they were weak. And they were hungry. And when they won the battle, and they went to the animals that they had slaughtered, the spoil of the enemy. They slaughtered her, and they start eating them with the blood. And this was prohibited in Leviticus. It said, you should not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is his blood. So Saul became a stumbling block to the people of Israel. He also was determined to receive glory from himself rather than giving it to God. And Kiaris talked about and throughout how he was supposed to wait for Samuel to lift up offering unto God. But he did it himself, which was condemned by the law of Moses, so he was self-centered. So because of this, the Lord brings a test to Saul to reveal his heart. And so, so the scripture says in chapter 15, 
Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the Lord, words of the Lord. Listen, hear. When Samuel was a child, he first heard the voice of God. So he knew from that encounter, like so many of us, the Lord's voice. Samuel knew who had sent him. Do you know the Lord's voice? Do you know when you are being sent by the Lord? So Samuel reminds Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you, Saul, king over my people. So he says, Saul, it was the Lord that sent me. It was the Lord which anointed you. So Saul, your power and your purpose lies in the anointing of God. These are God's people. It's not by your might nor by your power, but it's by God's spirit. We cannot complete any task that God has given us if we're not in alignment with God's spirit, if we're not being sent by the Lord. And even though Saul had displayed all these shortcomings and all these flaws, the good news for us that our God is a God of second chances. God will give us every opportunity to turn our lives around through obedience and repentance by sending his word. He will give us every opportunity to get our hearts right. God will send messenger after messenger after messenger, giving us the opportunity to walk upright. Mm -hmm. Second Peter let us know that the Lord is slow, is not slow about his promise, saints. So, as some said, count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God has given Samuel another opportunity to do what's right in his sight. Samuel directs Saul to listen to the words of the Lord. I was stuck on this now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. And the, the now kept coming back to me. Because God is saying, I am a now God. He said, I am a present God. I'm a very present help in trouble. God is saying that he knows we all have previous chapters in our lives full of shortcomings and flaws. We have previous chapters in our lives full of disobedience. But we all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's no condemnation or punishment to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There was one man who became sin, who had no sin, and his name is Jesus. Amen. He died so that we could have everlasting life. So God is saying, I am a now God. I am a God of your today. So God is saying to Saul and to us today, because of the anointing that I have given you, you are able to complete the task I have signed to you for my people. I have anointed you 
because I've sent you. So like God said to Moses, I'm asking you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Moses had a shepherd rod, a staff in his hand. But what do you possess? What do you have that God can use for his kingdom, for his glory? Because God would lose whatever you possess if you just simply yield it to him. And he said, now therefore. And I looked up the biblical definition for therefore. And it means for that reason. And then the scripture came to me, therefore, if a man be in Christ, he said, for that reason, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. He's saying, for that reason, because he is a God of second chances, he will send you a word from the Lord. He's saying, because he, for that reason, because he is a now God, he needs us to hear his voice through his word and through his command. So Samuel was saying to Saul, here's your word, Saul. Here's your second chance. So now God speaks. He speaks a command to Saul. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish the Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction, utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them. Both kill men and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Though this happened more than 14 years before, God still held it against the Amalekites because time does not erase sin before God. Let me say that again. Time does not erase sin before God. And God is saying that he is considering or thinking about what the Amalek did to his people. Who was the Amalek that years later God would be thinking about a specific action against them? And what did they do that would stay on the mind of an almighty God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Good question. I looked up the word Amalekites, and it means dwelling in the valley, in the low places. So they were descendants of Esau. They were a corrupt nation, and the Amalekites tried to destroy Israel by sneak attack upon the people when they were working out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 25:17 said, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt? How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail? Those who were lagging behind you, he did not fear God. They attacked the people that were in the back of the pack as they marched to the promised land. 
Those were the sick people, they were the feeble, they were the elderly, and they were the weak. Naturally, those that were in the rear of the race was mostly children. So when the Amalekites attacked Moses and the people, they made many women childish. It was a cowardly act deserving God's retribution. So the Amalekites was an illustration of the flesh and sin. <laughs> they were the enemy of God and his people, always warring against the people of God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The enemy comes to attack us when we are weak and vulnerable. The enemy always attacks in the low places. He attacks when we are in the valley. But we overcome by the word of our testimony that we belong to Christ and the Lord fights our battles. <laughs> so the instructions that God gave to Saul and Saul receives are to utterly destroy the Amalekites and their king. God is giving Saul a second chance. <laughs> this is his opportunity to line up with the will and the command of God. This is his heart changing, changing opportunity. God is saying to Saul, now I want you to deal with this, Saul. I want you to line up what I spoke to Moses after Joshua defeated the Amalekites and everything. Exodus 17 and 14 let us know. Then the Lord said to Moses, write as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under the sun, under the heaven. Listen. If you don't know the story in the book of Exodus, Moses sent Joshua and the army into the valley to fight the Amalekites. Moses, Aaron, and Hur was on the mountaintop. As long as Moses had a shepherd rod in his hand, as long as his hands were lifted up, the Israelites were winning. But when his hands were down, the Israelites would be um, losing the battle. So Moses needed help holding up his arms so that Israelite would win the battle. So he, Aaron and Hur held his arm up. And the battle was won. So God is saying to Joshua, I need you to recite this in the ears of the people, of Joshua. So that this could be recited from generation to generation to generation to the point of Saul. <laughs> but he wanted also to remember that it wasn't the military strategy that won the war, but it was the praises on the mountaintop. And so when you are in the valley and you need victory, God remembers your prayers and your praises that you lifted up from the mountaintop. He remembered the praises and the prayers that your parents and your grandparents lifted up. They came from generation to generation to generation. So God is revealing to his purpose to Saul and telling Saul how 
to do the work. He said, I want them totally destroyed. God is offering Saul the honor to fulfill the prophecy that he has spoken and bring the end to one of Israel's enemies. God wanted everything associated with the enemy destroyed. And as I was studying this, I said, God, you want everything destroyed? And God said to me, my word and my instructions are very specific. He says, Saul is to show no mercy. He must utterly destroy every man, every woman, child, including the king. He said, every animal of the Amalekites would be destroyed. And the people of Israel may not take any spoil from the city, from the enemy. I was praying, and the spirit of God showed me um, a spiritual significance of sin represented by these things in our lives. So when you think about a man and a woman, you think about maturity. We used to say grown up. So God is saying every sin that has matured in your life or has grown up with you, God says to destroy it. When you think about a child and an infant, you think about innocence. So every sin that portrays itself as innocent or that you think is innocent, God says to destroy it. Amen. Every ox and sheep, these are domesticated animals. God said every sin that has been domesticated, that you feel that you have the ability to control and to live with, God said to destroy it. <laughs> when you think about a camel and a donkey, these things carry burdens, right? So we must destroy every sin that we carry or cause us a burden, God says to destroy it. We must hear the voice of God and we must utterly destroy everything connected to the enemy in our lives. Amen. So this was a test for Saul's heart. And with the, that commission from Samuel, Saul goes out to battle the Amalekites. Saul reacts to the voice of God. He's heard the command, and so now he reacts. It says, so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Thailand. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul attacked the Amalekites. He also took Agai, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fit, fat, fatling, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwillingly to other destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Mm. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what God said to do. Saul did some of what God told him to do, but not all of it. Not all of it. 
He spared King Agag and the best of the animals. He kept whatever he considered good and destroyed whatever he considered bad. We have to be careful that we do not pick and choose what we want to give up for God. Come on now. Proverbs let us know there is a way which seemed right to man, but the end is a way to death. Partial obedience is still disobedience, God's eyes. He did not follow the instructions of God. God's commands are not always easy to obey. But yet, Scripture tells us that God's commands are to be fully obeyed. But God knew, saints, that our fallen nature will war against our spiritual man. He knew that there would be times that we would be in war against the enemy when we were in the valley, and we would make decisions whether to obey or disobey God's command. God knew that we would not be perfect. Only Jesus perfectly obeyed all of God's command. The rest of us are operating on partial obedience, which is why we need a Savior. Amen. Isn't it? Amen. It's why God sent his son Jesus, isn't it? Amen. It's why Jesus died on the cross for us. Isn't it? It's why Jesus said it is finished. Isn't it? It's why we are made free and free indeed by the shedded blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't it? So Saul received God's command and Saul chose his action. He chose to disobey God's voice. So there was consequences for Saul's actions. Saul has failed the test, just as the Lord knew he would. This was 25 years have passed since Samuel had first declared that Saul's destiny would not stand. It was 25 years of patience, of trials. And since then, we've been watching Saul's heart move in this direction. God gave him every opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity to get this right. And now having failed his final test, the Lord is going to reject Saul personally as king. Scripture reads, and Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to your neighbor of yours who is better than you. This scripture, represents two kings. <laughs> the king chosen by the people named Saul. 
And the king chosen by God through the lineage of David named Jesus. Come on. And there were consequences for each of these chosen kings based upon their actions to the command of God. Their reactions reveal their hearts for God. Saul, chosen by the people, served from a love for himself. While Jesus, chosen by God, served from a love for others. Amen. Saul, chosen by the people, built a sacrifice to save himself. But Jesus, chosen by God, became a sacrifice. Come on. Wow. Saul, chosen by the people, because of his disobedience, the enemy took his life. But Jesus, chosen by God, because of his obedience, he laid his life down. Mm. Saul, chosen by the people, because of his disobedience, he caused rejection from God. But Jesus, chosen by God, because of his obedience, he caused reconciliation for us through yes. God. Amen. Wow. Because of the action of Saul, the kingdom of God was torn and ripped from him, and he no longer had access to God. But because of the actions of Jesus on the cross, the veil was ripped and torn, and it gave us access to God. Yes. Can you pray for me? Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And as I close, I want to say, hallelujah, because of Jesus' obedience to the command of God, to death, even death on the cross, there is no greater power than the power of Jesus. Amen. We can overcome anything with his help. God, he is a God of second chances. He is a God of deliverance, healing, forgiveness, and salvation. By receiving Jesus and accepting his sacrificial work on the cross, we can have power of the God's Holy Spirit working in our lives to overcome the enemy, the Amalekites, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you want the Holy Spirit to dwell in you to overcome the enemy, you can accept him today. Or if you want him, you know him, but you just say, you know, Lord, I need a second chance. I haven't always lined up with your word. I have not always obeyed your voice. So I just want a second chance. You can ask him for that today. Because in his word, there are so many precious promises to hear you when you pray, to supply when you need, to give to you when you ask. There's promises to open when you knock, to reward you when you seek him, and to satisfy you when you desire. But the greatest promise that Jesus has made to us today is the promise to receive you 
when you come. So saints, the last thing I want to say is hearing has tried to hear the voice of God through his word. Amen.